Greetings and welcome to Flanagan's Ecologic. I am your host, Ted Flanagan, and today I'm joined by Mike Robinson, and we're going to be talking about sustainability in retailing and making retailing more efficient and more sustainable. Just delighted to have Mike on the podcast today. Hey, Mike, welcome to the podcast. Nice, nice to see you. Thanks, Ted. Very happy to be here. And, and where are you sitting as we speak? Yeah, I am, uh, I am in my house in San Francisco, uh, where I've lived for the better part of the last 23, 24 years. Uh, one of my favorite, very, very favorite cities. How great. And what's, what's on your docket? Uh, here it is, a Monday morning. What's on your docket today or this week? <laughs> well, I, you know, as with many of us, it's, it's a bit of recovery from the weekend, which was a little bit of DIY stuff for Mike Robinson around the house. I, I own an older home, so I had a bunch of things to do and, and got some cuts and bruises from doing that. But it was, it started, start to understand how the business week is starting to shape up, uh, get a cup of coffee and try to get moving and try to catch up with the world that continues to seem to move on, regardless of how much I check in with it during the weekend. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think we all have Monday-itis. Uh, yeah. It's just a tough day and you just have to just take some breaths and just sort of, sort of get, like you said, sort of get into the groove. How did you, I, I framed you up uh, in the intro as, as an, an expert on sustainable retailing. Is that a, is that a, if, uh, is that a reasonable explanation of, of sort of the, the top level of the elevator pitch of what you do? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I, I believe I'm transforming into that, right? I didn't start out that way, right? It, it wasn't necessarily the way that things began, right? And we can go into the origin story of Mike Robinson and my time in retail, but it's where I'm at now, right? I mean, I've spent a lot of time in my career trying to figure out how to get people to buy things that they didn't need. And I probably will never change that part of me. I am a shameless capitalist retailer. I think that's important to keep the engines of capitalism moving forward. Uh, but I don't mind changing the patterns in terms of how they consume. And one of those patterns is how they think about sustainability, right? And, uh, you know, where where I'm focused right now is on the fulfillment side, but I've got thoughts and perspectives as it relates to product, uh, product design, branding, et cetera. And it's, and it's something that, uh, you know, as I sit here in my late 50s, I didn't, I didn't see myself as an echo warrior, but yeah. all of a sudden I think I'm becoming one. Yeah. How interesting. Well, how did you get started? Let's go back in your career and born and raised in, in California? Yeah, I I, uh, I actually grew up in Pennsylvania. I grew up okay. in northeastern Pennsylvania in a very, you know, my friends refer to it as Pennsylvania uh, because it's uh, rather rural and it's very small town. It's 3,500 people. It's, uh, but, you know, it's God's country. It was a great place to grow up in small town America. Um, I went to school in Pennsylvania at Penn State. I'm a proud Nittany Lion, even though we had a bit of difficulty this past weekend with Ohio State in our football program, still a proud alumni, and then uh, started working in the pharmaceutical industry in Philadelphia, which then took me out to California and Southern California first, where I was part of an acquisition that we had done of uh, Mylanta brand of antacids. They asked me to go out and help understand how the manufacturing was done to bring the plant back to the East Coast. And when I found out that it was time to move, I didn't want to move, and I wanted to stay in California and jumped into, into consulting at that point. And my career is very varied and, 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 and a bit of a zigzag, but, but, but it was always based on learning something new. And I went into consulting to learn how to be a consultant and how to provide advice and how to provide perspective and how to, how to be a, a better business person. Because I, 
I'd started to understand it from an industry perspective. I wanted to understand it from a consultant and advice perspective. I did that for the better part of a decade or so, um, and then left uh, big consulting to move into small consulting, consulting at the turn of the century when we were just getting into digital retail and starting to understand what it meant for retailers to sell direct to consumers when they didn't have to come into their stores. And, and so and, let's let's let, let's pause just for a second. This notion of digital retail—that's all the online. That's all the online shopping that's going on. Absolutely, and and that's you know that's the, the that that's how most of us you know probably start our journeys in some way, shape, or form. I was in the early stage of trying to help you know large companies figure out what it meant to have a digital channel, what it meant to have an e-commerce channel, mm-hmm. and that's that really. Uh, was the bug that bit me that that made me want to become a retailer because I started to understand the immediacy of value creation associated with helping somebody in a customer experience and a customer journey to actually get to a point of sale. And it was also the thing that was most familiar to me because I was doing my own shopping. And so I could understand things that were good and things that were bad. Has this been the focus of your career then, the digital, the, the yeah. digital retail then? Once I found it, I never let go. Right. So, yeah. so the better part of the last twenty-five years have really been focused on digital retail. Uh, and, and what, and, what, and, what do you think that Mike? What do you think the percentages of, of retail now that is digital? Is that a, a very naive question? I suppose. No, no, it's it, it's a great question because I think people we keep seeing these growths through leaps and bounds, especially during the pandemic when everybody was stuck at home and stuff was yeah. brought to yeah. us, and so there was a massive shift in the adoption curve, but, but it's still, you know, it's still approaching, you know, 25 to 25 to 30% of total retail. I mean, there's still a, a, a predominant amount is still done in stores, but, but the journey can happen and can start, you know, the research can start the, the, you know, how I, how I actually, you know, uh, purchase can start on online, but I go pick up in a store for, from a fulfillment standpoint, but there's lots of ways as the omni-channel nature of retail has taken over over the last 10 to 15 years as as mobile has become much more adopted as everybody had a you know a phone in their hands and they could you know get get immediate gratification and obviously the growth of amazon right right it caused us to believe that you know anything that i wanted today i could have tomorrow and so but but it's still that 25 to 30 percent is about where we normalize to and there are some industries uh, and some variants of retail that are still in the 10 to 15%. I mean, you buy a car, you don't buy it online. Some people do, but many people still mm-hmm. walk into uh, a dealership. It continues to grow as the adoption and also just the convenience of it. Uh, what do you, what do you think, where do you think it'll settle out? Uh, you know, that you put on your crystal ball and you said it's at 25 to 30%. Now it's normalized sort of at this point at post pandemic, I suppose. But what do you think in 10, 15 years you think will be? I- even higher? I think we'll get to 50-50, right? I, I mean, yeah. I think it's going to be it's going to be a change in generations as well. I mean, that there's an yeah. entire, that there's at least a generation and a half that's all they've known, right? And there's a yeah. generation and a half that have kind of adopted to it or, or adapted to it. I think 50-50 is going to be that tipping point in the next 10 years or so. And and also it's just what does it mean to have, you know, to, to buy online? I mean, right now everybody is having things delivered to them in some way, shape, or form, whether it be, you know, you know, takeout or whether it be groceries or whether it be, you know, everything that they buy in a retail setting, or as I mentioned before, having a car delivered to you. So so people continue to adopt the format 
to satisfy their consumption needs. And and what is more sustainable, do you think? Is it more sustainable for folks to go into a store uh, as we did when we were kids? Or is it more sustainable to buy online and have Amazon roll their truck and bring you a, a product? Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's a really great question. I think, I think uh, sustainability comes from understanding better what I need and not what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, I, and I think a shift in 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 getting to people. I, I mean, I think many people have adopted e-commerce as as I'm going to use my home as the virtual uh, try on location. I'm going to get multiple you know dresses or multiple pairs of shoes or multiple pairs of jeans because I've made returns really easy and really cheap or, or free. Uh, there's nothing good about that, right? And and so in, in in that situation, it would have been much better for me to drive to a store instead of have all of that stuff brought to me and then me to send 90% of it back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think people think that way, right? right? I, I think it's convenience that drives it. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that, that that conscious consumption becomes part of the, the conversation for people as we move forward. Interesting. You know, I, I moved from the mountains of Colorado years ago to Los Angeles to be the director of energy efficiency for the city of Los Angeles. And I really paused because I I thought of Los Angeles as the land of conspicuous consumption. Right. And uh, you know, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. You've already alluded to it a couple of times in this in this discussion is, you know, this conscious consumption It's like, you know, what do people really need yeah. versus, you know, I mean, if they're just shopping online and they see something that they just I mean, the online shopping is merciless, right? I mean, it's right. constantly teasing you with the things that you you don't really need it, but boy, you kind of want it, right? Yeah. No, no. I I, uh, I fall prey to it myself, right? I mean, I you know, as I tell people, I find probably ninety percent of new product discovery is happening for me on Instagram, right? As I'm just shamelessly scrolling through my Instagram feed, I see a product that sounds really interesting. They make yeah. it really easy, and I decide to try it. Yeah. The question is, do I come back and buy it a second time, right? Or is it, or, or, or am I a one and done? Because that's really how they're acquiring customers on that. I, 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 I don't know where this is going to go. I, I think people's consciousness is elevating. I think as we go through it, I, I think sustainability is also taken on a little bit of a, a negative phrase to it in some way, shape, or form. You know, as there's been the greenwashing over time, as people have have you know thought they were doing something right but they really weren't doing anything good you know you know if you if you commit to you know spend a little bit more I'll plant a tree in your name the reality is you find out those trees were never planted and, and you know the, and the carbon offsets which which I'm not a fan of carbon offsets I'm about carbon avoidance right how do I how do you get it right the first time so you never create the carbon in the first place I think right. a lot of that comes from consumer choice and also just thinking about the problem differently, which is, you know, where I spend most of my time. Right. Now. right. Well, how, how are people then becoming aware, uh, getting awareness around in this area? Do you think? Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's in front of us. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't think there's a large corporation in America that isn't promoting some level of commitment around carbon neutrality, right. Trying to get yeah. there by 2030 or 2050, which are the two large projections you see airlines doing you see amazon doing it themselves you, you see lots of companies uh, i mean there are uh, honda just came out and said you know i i, I mean uh, the car you buy today will end up you know be- becoming the car that you buy tomorrow right because we'll, we'll take everything from it and recycle it 
yeah. they're finding ways of being able to do it. I think what's going to happen is that there's going to have to be a change in in the consumer's mindset to say, I'm going to support those brands. I'm going to mm -hmm. get behind those brands that actually say, um, you know, thinking in a sustainable manner, they're thinking in a conservation manner is it is something that I want to invest in, right? And, and I want to vote with my wallet. Um, I think I think many of the brands are testing it right now to, to, to be able to do it, but it has to be authentic, right? right? Which, which is why I go against the, which is why I struggle with the offset. I want to get to avoidance more than anything else right. on the carbon side. You, you've written about this, the, the sustainability gap, I get how you yeah. called it, between retail brands and investors and consumers. Yeah. Dig a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I, I, and, and I think it is that changing mindset, right? It's that changing mindset that, that many consumers are saying, you know, loudly, right? That, that if you find a way to give me a product that is sustainably sourced, if you can get it to me in, an, in a sustainable manner, if you practice sustainable business practices, you know, I'm willing to vote with my wallet. But many of the, at least on the retailer side, haven't figured out how to take advantage of that. Right. How to how to how to actually answer the bell when the consumer is asking for it. They're they're giving all the signals. Right. That they're saying, I'm, you know, like in the space I am in, in the fulfillment spaces, they're saying, look, I get a lot of packages. I'm willing to wait longer if you can get it to me in a eco friendly pattern. Right. And I'm and I'm actually willing to wait longer if you can get it to me on a specific date, because then I've got convenience associated with it. Right. So so mm -hmm. if you narrow the variability on the consumer side, they're saying, and if you can promise that it'll be done in a more sustainable manner, that they're saying, I'm raising my hand in, in another article I wrote that, that it doesn't need to be fast, right? Yeah. It just needs to be consistent. And that's what they're really driving towards. Who would be an example of that or comes to mind? Well, I mean, I actually, uh, the next time you shop on Amazon, watch for it, right? Right. That they're saying, you know, do you have multiple choices, you know, that you can pick the yeah. fastest option, or you can pick the option that we're going to tell you that we're going to deliver everything that you've ordered on, or, or that we are already headed to your neighborhood to be able to do that, or that we'll do it in a way that will take less boxes as well. I mean, that they're actually working with many of their suppliers to figure out how they don't have to overpack the boxes, right? That okay. they just take the manufacturer's package, stick a label on it, and send it to you, right? In, instead of what they do now, every time you get an Amazon box, it's like a Russian nested doll, right? Right. You're opening it up to find another box to find some packaging material to be able to get to the item that you've had. But but they're they're in their fulfillment, in their brand promise, they're making it and saying, look, um, I can I can commit to you on time, I can commit to you value, and I can tell you that I'm gonna do it in a more sustainable manner. That's pretty cool. So has has Amazon, in your view, been a positive in, in this space or sort of a, you know, a leader, obviously cutting edge leader. Um, are they Amazon, everybody else? What's the, what's your view? No, it, it, it's, they're always first, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're always there first and they always drive um, perception before anyone else does. Right. You know, I, I mean, Amazon prime is a perfect example of, of, of a shipping program that was supposed to be, free and fast. So you pay $99 and you get it the next day. Well, now you're paying $129 and you're getting it whenever they choose to get it to you. Right. But, but you've, 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 you, you've adopted the change in their business practices because you feel like you're getting significant value because they've added other value uh, uh, drivers to it as well. 
I was I, I was I was very surprised that they weren't here uh, about two years ago. They they got here about about a year ago, and in, in terms of really talking about in their fulfillment conversation how they're going to be much more sustainable in what they in how they bring you the product that you want, and they're enlisting you as a consumer in making those choices, and so they're constantly learning about this. So I think they're going to drive behavior just like they drove behavior on free and fast. That they're going to drive the behavior around, you know, green and and consistent. You mentioned you mentioned the greening and in, in or the uh, the delivery time, and that a consumer could can they right now choose a, a slower time and and have the less packaging come to your door. Uh, in, is that in, where in, we're going? In, yeah, I think that's where we're going to go. Right, right. Okay. I think okay. it's going to be it, it's going to be that 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 kind of explicit social contract between the consumer and the retailer to say. You know, free means something fun. And 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 I and I recently had an article uh, published on this as well. Free is going to mean something in the in different in the you know. If you agree to allow me to have a little bit more time to find a way that things can be delivered to you in a more sustainable manner, maybe with less packaging as well, even though that's not a space I'm in, mm-hmm. um, I will allow that to be the free option. If you need it faster, I'm going to charge you for it. Right? Because yeah. there's a cost. That there needs to be a cost to you because there's a cost to me as a business provider. Well, then, Mike, but, you've got you've got the you've got the shipping of the product, and the t- we've talked about the timing of that and the and the packaging, how many boxes. Like you said, it's just maddening. Everybody's getting all these car- all this cardboard in the mail. But then, what about the products themselves? Is is Amazon doing anything to rate the the sustainability of the of the actual products that they're selling? I haven't seen that yet. Right. Yeah, I, I do think it's going to come, right? I mean, I think people are going to look for those products. And I think what they did is they started where where they really operate best. And that's at the fulfillment, you know, moving product very quickly, right? They, they will go upstream. And I think you'll see it in product reviews. I, I think the nature of product reviews will change every time, right? Right. In terms of how do you get a green sustainable stamp associated with, with the product that you have? And how is it confirmed but by the consumers that bought it? Um, But but I I think everything is going to move in that direction where where whether it's our generation or the next generation or the generation, you know, after them will demand this right in some way, shape or form just to, you know, change the nature of consumerism. Do you you think that local um, products that are American made or locally made will also have a will get that recognition and that will be part of the consumer equation? You know, um, I was just on uh, I, I, was, I was just on a call this morning with a company that focuses on container shipping, and 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 how to find the greenest option around large shipments from overseas, but also large shipments inside the U.S. Proximity, I think, will help a great deal. I, I, I mean, I think made in the U.S.A. could mean something different in the future than than it means today, right? It won't necessarily be about, you know, nationalism, right? It, it, it'll be about localism, right? Right. It's much more local to you. And I think there's real value. I mean, are we all going to want to get to farm to table, right? In everything that we do, which is such a, a return to the local merchant, right? Yeah. I think there could be something there. And, and I think, it, you know, I think people could look at it and say, if I have to get something that is shipped a thousand miles versus 500 miles, I might do the 500 miles. Yeah, especially if they if they know it, right? They now they don't have any clue. You That's go right. on Amazon, you order a product, you don't know where it's coming from, really. That's right. 
I think as we expose more information to people, people will make more informed choices. Right. Let's let's talk about you spent quite a bit of time at at Macy's, right? Yeah. I and did. you were I think you were an executive vice president of I can't remember product management, but also I loved it the customer experience. Yeah. And what was what yeah. was happening in that time frame? Yeah, so so I joined Macy's in 2010 uh, on the on the digital business side, and it was and, and it was an agreement at the, and it was a small business. It was a 700 million dollar business of a 28 billion dollar company at that point, or 25 billion dollar company at that point. And there was a commitment that said we're going to invest to to become uh, a very very meaningful channel, but also take market share away from from our our competitors. And we're going to do that through smart technology investments, but also smart investments around customer experience. And and, and because it, it, it said you can't leave the stores out of the conversation. They're part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as 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 uh, you know, many people talked about, you know, if you could start your journey on your on your phone. You could go into the store and look at the product and you could end up, you know, uh, buying on your computer at work. As long as you made that as seamless and easy as possible. People were were constantly adopting, it. and and that's what we tried to do. We we, we tried. Now we got it wrong a lot of the time, right? And and then there were, but but there were moments where where we cracked through. And I'd like to think there were more moments that we cracked through than we didn't crack through because, you know, when, when I started, it was it was a seven hundred million dollar channel. When I left, it was a seven billion dollar channel. And so there was a ten x growth over an eight eight year period that. I give all the credit to the really smart people that I work with, but but we but we but, but we had a problem that we needed to approach and a problem that we needed to solve. What is the eighth notch? That that seems to be another aspect of your career, and I, I think that's about shipping efficiency. Is that is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and I've and I've and I've kind of hinted at it ad nauseum throughout this call. <laughs> it's it's where my passion is right now. Um, I left the big operating roles um, a, a few years ago, and a buddy of mine tapped me on the shoulder and said, I got an idea for how to deliver e-commerce shipments uh, in a more organized and synchronized fashion. But it's going to take some work to be able to do it. Right? He said, because I think it's, it's, it's too bad that there are you know, you know, five times that the delivery truck stops at your house every single week. I want to get it down to three. I want to get it down to two. Now you can still buy all the things you want. I just want it to be more organized and synchronized. And that is where we started the work, which was what would it mean to be able to look at either a cross retailer or if I bought multiple items coming from different locations, what what would it mean to be able to organize those deliveries to be delivered at the same time at the, in the back of the truck to your doorstep at the same time. Big math problem, big AI problem that, that, that we've worked with, and a big carrier problem. Because what we found yeah. is that carrier that we work with as a, as a partner said, it's a problem that we've been trying to solve for a very long time. But there's large operational savings if we can find a way to take trucks off the road. Right. Yeah, so in other words... Uh... You you'd have you maybe you maybe you go online and you would buy. I just bought a screen door from Wayfair Company. Maybe I buy a screen door. Maybe I buy some bicycle shorts. Maybe I buy something for the kids. All different companies, but the idea is that they would all be delivered at the same time. Yep. Yeah. If they were being delivered, but by the same carrier, right? So, right. so you know, we do the work to understand everything that's coming to your address, and then tell the retailer when to ship it to take advantage of things that are already in motion to you. 
And, right. and, and, and because the network is so effective and so predictive uh, that, that those things will match up at the final sort hub, get onto the truck and the, and the driver can drop them off once. Yeah. And, and would Amazon be part of that or, or are they so focused on their own branding and having their own fleets in our neighborhoods they, that that wouldn't? They do this already. Yeah, they, that they absolutely do this already on their own. But they do and, it on their own for their own on, products. On their own. Yeah. And, and, right. and what we're attempting to do is bring that same capability to the rest of the retail industry. So giving that same competitive advantage that, that, that Amazon has because they have the ability to go from having it at the warehouse to having their own fulfillment capability to having their own delivery capability, we're stitching it together from the retailer through the package carrier to, to the doorstep. I saw an, a very interesting article once about container ships coming, you know, coming across the ocean. And that, that is another one of these sort of, to me, it's a nightmare to you. It's probably a, a wonderful Rubik's cube, sort of a puzzle <laughs> that you work, that you, you, you relish working on, but how do you sort and how do you organize most efficiently? Really? Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, and, and it, and it really is a question that, that, that when we started talking to people, they're like, it seems so simple, but we know it's very hard. Right. And, and what it is, is, You've got to get cooperation at the beginning of the journey to ensure that the coordination happens at the end of the journey. Let's go back into the stores just for a second, because I had a question I wanted to ask you about self-checkout. Sure. And, you know, how does that, how does that play into the customer experiences? Do some people like it? Some people dislike it? Or, so you have to have both? Or what's the, what's the well, read on an expert I, like you? <laughs> I think everybody thought it was the right thing to do because of the diminishing amount of uh, store personnel. And, and you also wanted to give that person that just had a few things, the, the, the ability to check out quickly. I think that what we've seen the pushback that no matter what we do, it's still hard. It's still hard for people. I, I mean, I just did one at a grocery store two days ago and it was very difficult. I did one at a Walmart and it was, and it was super easy. Getting that experience right is, is yeah. really an Thing. And also make, making sure that the person doesn't feel like they're stealing something, right? Which is what yeah. everybody worries about is that they're going to get stopped by somebody as they walk out the door. Right, right. I, I always stumble at the supermarket. And, you know, they always say, oh, come on, use the checkout, self-checkout. <laughs> but how do you weigh vegetables and things like that? I mean, it just to me, it's a... I, not, a nine, out of the ten, nine out of the ten vegetables that I get don't have the sticker on them. And I end up in the conversation at the checkout anyway. So I... It, yeah. I I think it works in certain metaphors. We tried it at Macy's. It was uh, tried it with you would just scan it with, with your phone, be able to pay on your phone and get a receipt on your phone and walk out. Um, there were there were some customers that really liked it. And there were some customers that had a, an incredibly hard time. Like you said, you, you almost feel like you're stealing and you're, at least other people don't know how you don't know that you've already done that on your phone and you're walking out the door and everybody's looking at you. And that's right. It's an awkward, that's right. awkward time, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It, it, it's immediate gratification because I get to take the product. But I think a lot of people, I, I think that's like, I don't mind scanning, I don't mind buying, but I want it sent to my home instead of me having to carry it out. Yeah, yeah. So is is the predominant, is, are you primarily focused on the eighth notch now? Is that your current? It's my full-time job. I, I mean, I do board work for a publicly traded company. I do advisory work for a series of startups as well. But uh, my full-time job is the eighth notch. And how does a guy like you, uh, you know, maintain balance in life? Um, uh, <laughs> scream into my pillow a lot. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I mean, I've gotten smarter as I've gotten older. Right? I, I'm, I'm a golfer. So, so I find 
I find my my hobbies to be more fr- frustrating than than my work. Uh, yeah. I find work to be a respite from my hobbies in some cases. But, yeah. But, but I I think it's you. I mean, look, if, if the pandemic taught us anything, balance is incredibly important. Yeah. You got to find you got to find time for yourself, but you got to find time for the things that you love and you have a passion for. Yeah, that's really true, isn't it? In order to be effective in this in this world of ours. How great. Is there anything that I've I've forgotten to to ask you or something that's on the tip of your tongue that you really want to make sure that we cover in this conversation? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess the only thing that I do want to add is that, you know, I am still a capitalist. And I wouldn't be doing this work as an echo warrior and, and doing sustainable fulfillment if there wasn't significant operational savings along. There's a dual yeah. bottom line that we offer, which is you do get operational savings and you do get sustainability savings. Yeah. It's it, 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 and it's and it's and and it's incredibly rare that you can find something that gives you both. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we're offering, and that's what keeps me intrigued by this, right? In terms of, I think I've found something that unlocks a problem that I've always that I always had as an operator in the retail space. That that now as someone who services the retail space, fundamentally different than I saw anybody bring forward. Yeah, good stuff. Well, thank you. Uh... Thanks for sharing this time together and uh, enlightening me and our listeners about what you're doing in this retail space with sustainability. It's fascinating to me. Ted, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. That's it. Thanks for listening to Flanagan's Ecologic. We'll see you next time.